Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Well, this week uh, is going to be a little different. As you can all see, or if even if you haven't noticed yet, we are going live on Facebook and live on YouTube, along with all of our other podcast streaming sites. Uh, we're live today. So in other words, I can't make any mistakes. That's why we do a podcast, so that I can make mistakes. Well, welcome to show number four. I'm Kurt Pavacqua, and you are in Dirty Kurt's Dugout, brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon, California. If you don't know where that is, uh, it's a few miles east of the San Diego airport, right down 95 or 8, whichever way you want to go. The first place that I ever lived when I got traded to San Diego in 1979 from the Texas Rangers. And you know why it was the first place I ever lived? Because it was the first lights I saw after driving across country. Or I should say the first lights that I saw that I knew it was San Diego County. And I said, that's where I'm going to live because I don't want to drive anymore. I was done with it. And that's where I lived. As a matter of fact, I really didn't live very far from... 700 North Johnson, which is the address of Hacienda Casablanca, where you have to go sometime, uh, introduce yourself to uh, Cindy and Tony, tell them that uh, Joe and I sent you, producer Joe, and I sent you, you'll hear from him in a minute. Um, And I don't know, tell them to give you some salt on your margarita on me. I, I'm not going to offer everybody drinks because we've got too many people watching out there. But I, I want to thank them. Uh, I want to thank uh, Hacienda Casablanca for their sponsorship. Uh, I want to thank uh, producer Joe, who, again, you'll hear from in a minute. Alan, our technical guru, and especially Shotgun Tom Kelly. And Shotgun Tom Kelly's big time, guys and ladies. He's big time. He's on Sirius 6 Classics on Sirius Radio and has been a radio icon for probably more years than he wants to admit. But just the same, Shotgun and I uh, were using the same studio. Uh, When I was doing Padre pre- and post-game show, and we got to know each other that way, uh, way back in the KFMB days here in San Diego. So, uh, speaking of uh, the Hacienda, uh, we had a watch party there back on the 10th. Uh, It was the first day of the disastrous road trip 
that the Padres just returned home from and then continued that disaster on this homestand. Uh, but that's beside the point right now. Uh, they are beating the San Francisco Giants 4-2 to in the fifth inning right now. Uh, there are games going on as we speak, and I will update you on those games as I get those updates. That way, you can fully concentrate on what you're doing. And if you don't have time to sit down and watch this for 45 minutes, let's say, uh, you can always go back and watch it anytime you want. That's the beauty of podcast. Uh, we're live right now on Facebook. We're live right now on YouTube, like I said. But you can always go to different places. I'll give you those places to go to uh, at the end of the show. But you can go to YouTube also. Uh, if if you're not going to be around at the end of the show, uh, we've got Spotify. And that figures that I uh, don't have the one sheet that I want. iTunes, Stitcher. And like I mentioned, of course, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, getting back to the watch party, we need to have another one of those. We had so much fun um, when we were out there on the night of the 10th, even though the Padres lost to the Dodgers. Uh, we had raffles. There were drink specials, uh, great food. Uh, of course, our hosts were there, Cindy and Tony. Uh, and there were a bunch of folks out there. So as our show gets bigger every week uh, and we continue to climb in the ratings, as they say, I would imagine more people are going to join us out there. So, you know, Joe, we we Joe, you're you're there, right? You can come I was in there last and, night and say, I knew that. I knew you were there somewhere. We, we have <laughs> to schedule another watch party. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Oh, that was a blast. There was a lot of people and they're all having a good time. We'll do it again. Let's do it again. I was just talking to Cindy about it last night, and she's she's ready for it. Absolutely. We had the party lights going. We had the music going. We had the game on. Brand new TV. Yep. Good to go. Awesome. I'll talk to her. Then we need to do that. Well, folks, San Diego's being renamed. Mudville. And it's not after Mark Mudcat Grant, the colorful TV analyst, but uh, there's no joy in Mudville here in San Diego due to what could go down as the biggest collapse in San Diego sports history. Uh, maybe not all of sports, but certainly on the baseball side. Uh, we're going to get into that, into what happened, uh, who's to blame, uh, what the Padres have to do to rebound from this year, because as much as I hate to say it, there's not going to be any postseason, at least something ha happening shy of a miracle, which I don't think ha is going to happen. The Cardinals just won. Uh, so they've won like 12 or 13 games in a row. They got hot just when they needed to get hot. Uh, and the Cincinnati Reds, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Padres uh, just couldn't keep up with them. So they're probably going to go on to the postseason and play that one-game wild-card game up at Dodger Stadium. Uh, and we will see what's going to happen after this disastrous uh, 2021 season. But before we get to that, let's get to my guest for today. 
who I am, uh, I'm happy and, uh, and proud to call him a friend. Uh, he's a 10-time All-Star, uh, the 1974 National League Most Valuable Player, and uh, All-Star Game Most Valuable Player in both 74 and 1978. And that's with him not even being on the ballot in 1974. Okay, how does that happen? Write-in votes. And that's how popular Steve Garvey was at the beginning of his career in Los Angeles. Uh, he was the National League Championship Most Valuable Player in 1978. And then here in San Diego in 1984, I'm sure you all remember that. He won five Gold Glove Awards all while playing in 1,207 consecutive games, which is still a National League record, will probably remain that way for a long, long time. My guest today, Steve Garvey. Can I call you Rumi? No, you can't, Rumi. <laughs> I've got the Johnny Bench podcast waiting for me, and you got me on the on-deck circle for 15 minutes now. I no. mean, let's go. Okay. Is that what they call it, the on-deck circle? Is, do we have a little place over there, a little circle? Very cute. I think the... Yeah. I think everybody else has a green room and you have a brown room, which fits perfectly with Dirty Kurt's uh, dugout. So, uh, you know, I, I like the touch. The on deck circle is pretty good. <laughs> very, very good. Okay. So show, before everything started, the golf tournament next week, I'm calling the tournament director and telling him to cut that handicap of yours in half because, uh, you know, you no. got a little pad there, by the way, my friend, a little padding there. So. You don't even know what my handicap is. We haven't played for years. Well, it's too high. That's all I know. <laughs> what it, whatever it is, we'll play even. <laughs> great to be with you. Great to be with you. It's You're going to have a great success, and I think you guys have a great format, and uh, I want to thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. Uh, elephant in the room. Yeah. Why the hell aren't you in the Hall of Fame? Uh, good question. Um, I get asked it uh, almost every day. I've been on, I, I set a record uh, the last time by being on the most ballots of any player in history and not being voted in. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's sad, but a distinguishing factor uh, on the other hand. Uh, you know, Kurt, you and I have always talked. Uh, you know, my career has been blessed. It's a body of work. It's, it's not 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Um, it's the consecutive game streak. It's the gold gloves. Uh, it's the airless season. Um, and a lot of times an award like the Hall of Fame is based on numbers and not necessarily based on contribution to your, your teams or team success. And what I mean by that is winning. I mean, uh, I played in the first NLDS. We won that. I uh, played in five NLCSs. We won that. Played in 10 All-Star games. We won all 10. Uh, I was in five World Series. We only won one. But um, I think it's about winning. you got to factor those things in, contribution to your team, to the sport. Um, so when you start to factor things in and extraneous records and, and contributions on and off the field, um, you know, I think it changes the tone of what people are thinking about. I just, I just saw a stat the other day from 74 to 84, I had the most hits of anybody in baseball. I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you think so? And a little known <laughs> one, I, uh, for guys with over 75 bunts, I have the highest batting average with uh, 840. So, um, 
<laughs> I don't know where that came from. But you know, uh, bunting was always a, a factor in my offense. Uh, getting 10 or 12 bunt hits a year and then having the third baseman know that I could bunt coming in, that's probably worth another 10. Um, hitting and running, you know, Tony and I had a sign between each other when I thought that I was going to get a pitch that uh, I could take the other way and have him going. And uh, ironically, that was what we were going to do on the pitch of the famous home run in 84 that ended the game and took us to game five. Uh, we had looked at each other and he was, he was about ready to go. Uh, Lee Smith had thrown a fastball up and I knew that he was probably going to stay away from me, but bring it down. He got it down the strike zone and, uh, and went the other way. Lee Smith wasn't the most comfortable pitcher to lean into a pitch, was he? <laughs> no, I, I was at number six that year because, and you know about how tough this is. I always was facing him at about 4.15 in the afternoon at Wrigley with the shadows <laughs> and him uh, pumping at about 98 miles per hour. So I've always said, I guess I was due, you know, on the home run pitch there, but he was exceptional. I, I thought it was, uh, it took way too long for uh, Lee to get in the Hall of Fame. I, I tell you what, I don't know whether I was more excited about your home run or more excited about the home run that I hit in the World Series. I swear to you, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was one of the, the most exciting moments of my career because I knew that if we got the game five, we had a good chance to win. Even though they were pitching Sutcliffe, um, I just had a funny feeling that we had a chance to win that game. Yeah. And and sure enough, it worked out that way. Oh, boy, we made a lot of people in Chicago sad, didn't we? <laughs> That's right. And you did. You did oh. have a significantly big home run, one that's iconic in, in uh, San Diego history. Uh, but I do remember when you pulled your, your second groin on, what was it, a triple <laughs> that you hit? And uh, we were all watching you. We knew that you were limping a little bit. And uh we were trying to get you to really stop it first, but you kept. Uh, and with your stop it first, and I went and I tried to go to third, thrown out at second for sure. And oh, you you kept going, and all of a sudden, uh, the sniper got you, and you to stagger, and I think you fell uh, from about twelve feet uh, in front of third base and and landed. And, uh, I mean, it was a tremendous effort on your part. But if you remember, the off day we go to Detroit, and, uh, and we're all taking batting practice. And, of course, you're holding press conference after press conference. And we finally get you in the batting cage. Uh, you're the last guy to bat. So I said to all the guys, come on in. And we all lined the infield on the edge of the grass, uh, taunting you to hit it over our head. Yeah, I do remember that. And God bless you. You didn't do it. So Yeah, I appreciate that. That was uh, that was nice of you. AIL now, maybe the 60, but you you were such a gamer. You played a lot of positions and uh, and I was getting a kick we you, you were talking about managers before and you said you thought you played for 3 in one year. You had to play for 20 or 30 throughout your career because of your longevity and playing for different teams, but uh, nobody knows more about managers than you do. Well, that's true. We're going to get to the number of managers you played for in a minute, but uh, let me ask you this question because you just reminded me something that I forgot about. I remember you doing that. That that was pretty low, by the way, because you literally got everybody in from the outfield. Mm -hmm. And I remember you and Bobby Brown were the were the chief instigators in that deal with getting everybody in. And for some reason, I just couldn't hit the ball out of the infield. I couldn't get it in the air. You couldn't turn your hips. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they don't call them groin muscles anymore. Oh, that's they funny. call them abductor muscles now. Yeah. And leg yeah. and uh, all these other things. Uh, the evolution of uh, the injury vocabulary list in, in sports now. But uh, we, we had a, a rare chance to get you back for all the pranks and all the taunting you did, obviously, in, in, uh, with good nature. And, and, uh, and I've always said every team needs somebody who, who has the stimulus and humor and, and doing those odd little things that keeps the team loose. And you surely were, were one of the best. All right, enough about me. Uh, when your consecutive game streak ended, speaking of injuries, yeah. do you know who took your place in a lineup? Uh, let's see. Can we have some music on this? Uh, you? Oh, there's me again. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, hey, wait a minute for the fans. This all started on the first day of first day of spring training in 1983. Uh, what obviously coming to San Diego was, was, was quite the event and the first day of me in a Padre uniform and, you know, the press is all around and even cameras in that and the outfield during batting practice. And for three days, every interview I did, there was one face behind, behind me. And that was you. And then all of a sudden you started doing interviews about me as if you had played with me every day for 15 years, or maybe the brother that was separated at birth. Um, and then you started this thing about you and I being roomies. One of the biggest challenges in my life is trying to dispel that rumor that you and I ever roomed together. And I've done, done so well up until today. Well, you probably don't know this, but Joe, your dad, yeah. Just instigated the whole thing. I mean, he was there by my side. Yeah. And he was telling me to do all that stuff. I still have shirts that say Steve Garvey is my shadow. <laughs> so you were you were always next to me. I wasn't next to you. Oh, that's it. I, yes. Oh boy. Yeah. And this, absolutely. All these years. <laughs> so we uh I've got a producer here that is uh is San Diego baseball freak. And uh, I know he's going to want to ask you something. So let's let's get Joe on. And Joe, this is Steve Garvey. Go ahead with your uh, – I know you have a question. <laughs> Steve, thanks for uh, coming on with us. It's great, uh, great pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Say, so in your uh, long career, is there one accomplishment that you can put as number one? Well, I think um, I think when you when you're blessed and, and you develop your talents and you get to the ultimate level and and of course things happen on the way that that help uh, uh, push you there. Uh, once you get into the major leagues, and it's a team sport, if you don't think that winning a world championship is is the ultimate, then you don't understand why you're playing and who you're playing for and the essence of the game. So, winning a world championship in 90, 1981. Uh, to me, was the ultimate achievement. Uh, you know, so many good teams and go, good players never either got to the, you know, got to the finals, whatever it may be, whatever sport, or won them. So, uh, you know, we had been frustrated in 74, 77, 78 uh, against the Yankees in L.A., and we literally were running out of time with this group that had started in 73 and uh, and was starting to have contracts expire, Davey Lopes in, in 82. So we, we thought that we were running out of time. And, of course, 81 was such a disjointed year with the uh, strike and lockout, two seasons. 
and then um, you know it it started to look like destiny because we we played Houston in the first NLDS, lost the first two, came back and won three. Uh, then we played Montreal, lost, split the first two at Dodger Stadium, which now takes away home field advantage. Lost game number four, so they went up, and uh, or game number three, and um, come back to win that one. And uh, and then are down 2-0 to the Yankees and win four straight. So there was a certain amount of destiny and and, uh, and celebration in that era from 73 to to um, 81 and then of course 82. But uh, singularly, I think the consecutive game streak is what I've taken the most pride in. Uh, going out every day for seven and a half years and you know playing with um, yeah, hamstrings and, and hairline fractures and migraine headaches and you know trying and to doctors doctor and uh, doctors. <laughs> hurts uh, to deal with every day on that kind of a basis. But uh, <laughs> game streak, I think, um, really makes a statement for my commitment to the game, to the fans, to my uh, my teams, uh, and how much I, I love the game. Never wanted to come out. Uh, and the last, and that, and that last day was the first game of a doubleheader at uh, San Diego. And uh, it was a crazy day with Pasquale Perez uh, of the Braves. And uh, I was on third with uh, with two outs, and I forget who. Well, he airmails it, and uh, and if you remember, behind home plate were these these iron, you know, bars, and I took off, think it was going to be easy. It hit one of the bars, came halfway back. Perez comes up and straddles home plate, which you you never teach your pitcher to do. You want him to be towards the pitcher's side to catch the ball and tag. So I've got to make a split second decision within about the last you know twelve feet. If I go straight into him, I'll probably buckle his knee and there's bound to be an injury. Or should I go around and just tag the base? I decided to go around and and uh, reach back and caught the heel of his shoe. And it uh, tore the ligament, dislocated the thumb. And uh, the insult to injury was he tagged me out. And I'm there <laughs> on my knees. And it was a warm you know, early doubleheader in the afternoon at, I think, about 430 and I'm there, and, and Dick Dent, uh, the great trainer and friend of, of Dick and, and mine, everybody's, comes up, and he goes, what happened? I said, I think it's dislocated. I said, but, uh, you know, let's go ice it, and we'll think of something for the second game, tape it up and pinch it, and, you know, come up with something tomorrow. And he said, let me see it, and I show him my hand, and my thumb falls down uh, because of the torn ligament. And he looks at it, mm. and I'm and we both know that it's over. And uh, we walk to the dugout, and as Kurt knows, you know, Jack Murphy, at the end, you go up a tunnel. And I just started to go up, and I got about 10 feet, and I just went down on a knee. And, and I knew then that seven and a half years had come to an end. And all the times where I could have easily uh, sat out, but uh, I knew that uh, in my position, the expectations uh, and a leadership role were important. So, um yeah, and then I came back uh, uh, several months later and played another 300. So uh, it was kind of a nice run, so to speak. I was at that last game of yours, so I apologize. No, <laughs> it was bound to happen. They trust me. Yeah. 12 times, 15 times during the streak where things were about to happen and somehow, you know, I got out of it. Uh, and then it was time. Everything's in God's hands. Okay, thank you. You know, you, you you just let the cat out of the bag on something that a lot of people didn't realize. Uh, Pasquale Perez ended your consecutive game streak. Yeah. 
Yeah. Pascual Perez had some problems in San Diego, didn't he? Did you have fun that day in Atlanta Garb, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh the fun, yes. And of course, it really started, remember that the first time you heard of his name was, was in the papers because he never made it to his start because he couldn't get off of what? I-75 that went around Atlanta. He kept yeah, going, but didn't know what exit to get off and he missed his start. <laughs> so he had a feeling that... Uh, that was more to come, and of course there was, and uh, uh, especially that famous day where we had the three fights in in Atlanta. Was there only three? No. See, yeah. they don't have the freeway system in Santa Domingo that they have in Atlanta. That's the reason he kind of got confused. <laughs> if you got three lanes, you're doing good. I think there. But so, so uh, tell me and uh, and everybody else uh, what's going on with Steve Garvey right now. I know. That uh, that you were uh, you got deeply involved in uh, uh, the run against prostate cancer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, is that still going on? Uh, absolutely, Kurt. Uh, okay. Years ago, uh, and I just did a, a uh, interview with Doctor uh, Doctor Mark Litwin, who's head of urology at UCLA, uh, as a doing a podcast for fans for the cure, and that's the. Uh, foundation in New York uh, that I'm chairman of, which is probably preeminent awareness uh, foundation in the country. Uh, Michael Milken and the Prostate Foundation in LA does a lot of research, heavily funded, but we're probably in 120, 130 stadiums and arenas with uh, awareness and, and screening nights. But uh, um, I was uh, so fortunate to have uh, Dr. Litwin do my radical prostatectomy uh, through the grace of God. I, I've been clean. I decided to dedicate my life to being a foot soldier for uh, awareness of prostate cancer with men. And uh, we've made a significant contribution, uh, Kurt. And you know, I, whenever I come around any any man, I always ask him, are you taking your PSA? Because that's the beginning of starting to, to get on the board, so to speak, uh, and getting a score that will tell you if you do have your blood test and PSA either once a year, twice a year, if there is an escalated movement, and if there is, uh, it may be time to get more serious about about the testing and possible uh, possible cancer and uh, the ways to treat it. So, is there anything anybody can do as far as donations or anything like that? Can they go anywhere to? Absolutely, absolutely. It's fansforthecure.org. Um, we do have a podcast there too. I just did one uh, yesterday and. Uh, Ed Randall, who's a noted uh, New York uh, sports personality, uh, usually hosts them and has a has a personality from sports entertainment uh, each time. But uh, go to fansforthecure.org. You'll you'll start to understand what we're all about, what we're trying to do, and we're really trying to get men to to talk about the single most devastating men's cancer, and that's prostate cancer, because women will come down with breast cancer and they'll call their girlfriends and they'll get together for lunch and they'll create runs and raise, you know, raise money month after month, year after year. Guy hears he has prostate cancer and he goes, ah, I heard you probably will die with it. Well, that's not true. You probably die from it unless you are proactive, unless you talk to a doctor, uh, go to someone and like UCLA, a fabulous uh, urology department there. Uh, go to a doctor and, and, and that has all the facilities and then start to be proactive. It has the highest degree uh, of success 
in beating the, the prostate cancer uh, to detection. So the quicker you get it detected, and this is almost true for, for any type of disease, uh, the, high, the highest degree of success most of the time in anything is if you can get to it early, get it treated, and success may be a much longer life or maybe, uh, you know, living the rest of your life without it. So uh, talking about things is, is, is the most in, important way to really to cure yourself and get treated. Garvey, look good. How's your beautiful bride? Uh, she's doing great. I'm, I'm out in our uh, little uh, guest casita now because we've been renovating. Mrs. Garvey's a uh, designer and renovator. So we decided we, you know, we live in Palm Desert. We've got this wonderful acre and a quarter and home, and it was time to make some uh, some uh, changes to it. And for anybody that's that's either building or doing renovation at this time, they know how difficult it is getting materials and getting your subcontractors to to get the jobs done. So uh, there's been a lot of dust in the air, uh, Curry, but uh, we're getting it done now. It's been a good project. But like anything, you know, once we we were, and I call it attacked by COVID last year, and what this country has gone through, and and uh, and how we've we fought it like we do any challenge to uh, to this great country, uh, we've seen it start to open up in the last six seven months, and you may have seen the same thing. Uh, I mean, doing this podcast is is a great way to reach people, and I've seen the same thing happen. So I, I think that, I don't think we have as much fear as we used to. It was really the fear of the unknown in the beginning. We know more about COVID. Um, this is a big debate about taking the vaccines. I've taken mine, Candace has taken hers. Um, so the children, it's a matter of choice. But I think the most important thing always is just to be responsible um, and, and do what you're required to do. So, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. I think we're coming out, out of that as a society. Uh, we have a better understanding and um, we're gonna beat this thing and go on in all ways of life. Well, I, I've got in mind also your guest house, when you get it finished, just <laughs> give me a call, let me know, and I'll be yeah. happy to come over. Sure, we'll take it to Andy Wells uh, Country Club and I'll get uh, five aside and we'll have a great time. Oh, throwing out Indian Wells. They used to have the Frank Sinatra there. That was oh, a great that, time. Yeah. Hey, one other thing that uh, we've been uh, doing too, uh, two years ago, we started uh, Cadenwood, which is a uh, consumer goods uh, company. Consumer goods are um, uh, CBD infused. Uh, our, our initial product is Level Select CBD, which is a topical, um, which is just done tremendously. This wild, wild west of uh, CBD and THC, we only use CBD. And uh, I encourage everybody to go to levelselect.com uh, or Cadenwood. Take a look at what we're doing. Uh, we'd like to think we're making a difference in uh, pain relief for people. And we'll have a bunch of other products, but that's also uh, something we've been passionate about and, and keeping, uh, keeping us busy. That's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. Just think how well we could do if we could rub level select on a bat and it would uh, you know, hit the ball farther. So, no, they need to rub it onto some brains is what well, they need to do. I mean, do they really need to hit it any farther? Have you ever seen balls travel like they, they do now? Uh, not off of, I mean, some of the bats are even crazy, uh, only because the guys are just so strong. But, I mean, I watch Stanton and, and Judge hit balls, and it blows me away. Yeah. But I still it's, think it's the ball has been an alteration of the ball. You know, Major League Baseball owns 25% of Rawlings. And who makes the baseballs? Oh, Rawlings. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and and there was one thing i think it was 2019 i you know me i'm kind of a statistical guy and uh in 2019 there were 40 percent more home runs hit in baseball than in 1977 and 1977 was the year that uh the four of us in la for the first time hit over 30 home runs on one team and that was a very high home run year but think about it 40 percent more um and and that amount of time and yes the guys are bigger and stronger but uh is it uh flatter seams is uh, is it to do with the cover the insides i don't know but i see ball remember when dodger stadium used to be a tough ballpark to to hit in absolutely not anymore you know balls that is amazing yeah so that is amazing conspiracy theories we want but i seem to think that uh uh you know probably you know, if, if if you and I hit 20 home runs, we'd probably hit 20% more home runs than, uh, than we would have, at least. And again, depending on the ballpark. So there's more offense in baseball. I've always said, you know, power sells. But when you get too much power um, in the game, it takes away from the actual playing of the game. And then maybe that's where the launch angle started, right? All of a sudden, the realization that, you know, things are starting to add up, that it's better to hit the ball in the air uh, than it is the line drives and like we were taught to hit down through the ball, right? So, I, I think I- things are. I, I I'm seeing it starting to change with a couple of different organizations as far as uh, all the analytical numbers uh, and everything that has been for the last number of years come down from the front office to the field itself without. Uh, uh, any input being done by the managers in the dugout. It was mostly the front office that were, I think that's starting to change a little bit. And I think that ownership finally, at least I certainly hope so, is starting to see that the way that it's been going is not necessarily the best way to go forward. And, yeah. I, and I hope that we see some change in that. You talked about the number of bunts that you got. Um, I talk to my son who's still playing uh, in college right now about that all the time. He looks at me like I'm an alien when I tell him the bunt. He just, you know, it's, I don't know what it is with the youth of today, uh, but I think it's, it's being taught that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when a guy can't lay a bunt down the third baseline, if you're being shifted, uh, to get on base when your team is down by two runs to lead off an inning is idiocy to me. I mean, yeah. it really is. And I remember how how good of a bunter you were, and and I, I didn't realize how many bunts you got. But uh, when you talk about bunting, and that makes the third baseman think about it, he has to come in a step or two, thereby there thereby giving you a couple of more base hits that he would have normally gotten to. So it's just common sense that it's going to increase your average a good 20 to 40 points a year if you lay down enough bunts. Yeah, absolutely. I've always said that, you know, just by being able to do that, I'd say I'd get 12, 10 bunt hits and another 10 because, like you said, the infielder came in. And if you can hit and run, you know, players moving, big space open on the, you know, right side of the infield or maybe shortstop playing over, you know, just smart hitting, but you're right. You know, I, I did uh, pre and post uh, analysis of world series in uh, uh, 18, 19 and, and last year. 
And uh, the first two years, of course, Houston, the Red Sox beat the Dodgers. And I kept emphasizing that they were, they were stacking the lineups righty against lefty. And they were also trying to hit the ball in the ballpark. And they lost. And if you remember, Houston hit the ball the other way uh, significantly. Red Sox did the same thing. They won by putting the ball in play and, and, and scoring a run here and two here and run there where the Dodgers were waiting for the three-run homer. Um, and then why did they win last year? They went the other way. They got, got the run here and there against Tampa Bay team with you know very good pitching. But they, they were relentless in trying to scramble and get runs in like we were always taught to do. And it turned out to be um, so successful. They're finally, after 32 years, win the world championship. And uh, they have those rocks on their fingers now. So uh, there is a balance between sabermetrics and, and, uh, and they like to call it old, old school baseball. But I think it's smart baseball. Smart hitting. I think that's a good point. Garv, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. We have to get together soon. Absolutely love to. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Steve Garvey, everybody. You're listening to Dirty Kurtz Dugout. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Dirty Kurtz is brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, California, a little bit east of San Diego. And when I say a little, I mean a little bit. It's a suburb. And it's, uh, it's just a few miles uh, east of the ballpark and uh, the airport. Uh, so if you're in the San Diego area and you want to go have some great, great, Mexican food. Go see Cindy and Tony at uh, Hacienda Casablanca at 700 North Johnson. Your dress is right there on your screen. Well, back to the Padres. We talked about the Dodgers enough with Steve. You know, let's go back to the start of the 2021 season. This San Diego ball club was the most talked about team in baseball. They had one of the top offenses, arguably one of the best pitching staffs with the addition of Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell. And to go with Lamette and Paddock, they were going to have a good year. And not only that, they had what a lot of people called the best bullpen in baseball, especially after the last or the first month or a month and a half. Now you add one of the best farm systems in all of baseball, and what do you got? Well, I'll tell you what you got. You got a mess. That's what you got. It's a mess. Uh, and who's to blame for everything that's gone on here in San Diego this year? Social media has gone crazy. With Preller's got to go, Tingler's got to be fired every single game, Hosmer's got to go. You got to point the finger at somebody. And when I say that, I don't mean that's a quote from me. Uh, Larry Rothschild's already gotten fired. The Padres pitching coach was let go right before uh, the trade deadline, you know, around 23rd, 24th of August. Uh, the Padres farm director was just notified a couple of days ago that his contract's not going to be re renewed. It was over at the end of this year. And he was told he can just clean out his office now. So 
the team with one of the best farm systems in baseball just fired their farm director. Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach of one of the best staffs in baseball, at least a couple of months ago, has been fired. I mean, really? Are there going to be more? Yeah, there are going to be more because Rothschild and Ganey got fired because of political pressure. That's all there is to it. These two guys didn't deserve to be fired. But blame has to go somewhere. You know where it should go? It should go to all of those guys out there that wear a Padre uniform. Along with the substantial amount of injuries that this ball club has sustained this year. I mean, they really have had a lot of injuries. And I'm not just talking about once. I mean, Tatis has been on the I.O., what, three times now? Paddock has been down. And I tell you what, I wasn't a great fan of him at the beginning of this year. And even at times early on in the season, when I continued to see him make mistakes that you really shouldn't make after you've had a couple of big league seasons under your belt. But the more I watch baseball games nowadays, the more I see the same mistakes happening one team after another. So it's not just the San Diego ball club. That doesn't make it right. But the best teams, the guys that win, are the guys that make fewer mistakes than the other guys. And I'll I'll tell you what else. And I'll tell you why Tingler, as many times as I might have disagreed with moves that he made this year. And we can all, if, if you sit and you never watch a Padre game, and you sit and watch the Angels play against whoever they're going to play on their schedule, you're going to disagree any number of times throughout the course of the season on what Madden does throughout the course of a game with his pitching staff. It's just the nature of the game. When Bochy was in San Francisco in 2010, 12, and 14, there were Giant fans that disagreed with his use of the pitching staff at times. But they went on and won world championships those years. You're going to disagree with what the manager does. It's just the nature of the game. Should have taken Musgrove out of the game when he had the perfect game going. Snell. Snell pitched so good for four or five, six starts there in a row before he came up with an injury. I mean, what's going on with these injuries? And you know what about Jake Arrieta? Shame on him. Shame on him for coming over here injured and knowing it and not saying anything and making the training staff and management on this ball club think that he was okay to go out there. You know what? Because he proved that he wasn't. 
you don't make three starts, walk off the mound in the first inning on two of them injured and tell me that you weren't injured. It doesn't work that way. And cudnuctor, abductor, I don't care what muscle it is in your body. If it's not pulled and separated, you can go out there and play. If it's tight, you should be able to continue to play. Now, if you've got pain there, it's a different story. So I think most of these injuries that they're talking about where guys have tight muscles, they're really pulled muscles. I mean, Jake Cronenworth was out of this lineup for a period of time. This guy is a main part of that lineup that they have. If you would have looked at that lineup today when it first started, you would have went, whoa, what's happening here? They actually had three left-handed hitters in a row. I know, it's crazy. Hosmer, Profar, and... I can't even remember the third one. I will in a minute. But then, and then they threw Kim in there, uh, batting seventh instead of Carantini, who was hitting eighth. That would have been four consecutive left-handers that they had in a row. And Crona, where you looked up and down the lineup because Machado didn't start. I'm going to look and see who's winning this game to keep you guys updated. I know the Cardinals already won. I told you that. So we will see how the Padres fared against San Francisco came back in this game. And now it's six to six. Boy, the Padres are having a tough time. They really are. Uh, just when the St. Louis Cardinals got hot, the San Diego Padres, along with all their injuries, got cold. Uh, you know, I think what I'm trying to say to you is that we can blame Jace Tingler and the crappy pitching moves that he's made a couple of times this year, or we can blame A.J. Preller for the demise of this ball club or the number of years that he's been here and hasn't been able to field a World Series championship team, uh, it's a little unfair for the moment. It's a little unfair. And do I love Bruce Bochy? Bochy was my teammate. He was one of my best friends. Absolutely. Would I like to see him here in San Diego? Absolutely. But I've already seen two guys lose their jobs here in San Diego that I didn't think deserved to lose their jobs. And that was Larry Rothschild and Sam Ganey, uh, the farm director of uh, the San Diego Ball Club. You know, Tingler, Preller, Rothschild, Ganey, none of the managers, none of the coaches – Certainly nobody up in the front office hangs O2 sliders or they don't leave runners stranded at third base with no outs or one out. They just, they're not to blame for that stuff. 
they don't fail to advance a runner from second to third with no outs to get an early lead in the game, which goes a long way in a baseball game, folks. An early lead goes a long way. Trust me. I don't know what all the stats are for it, but it goes a long way. And I would bet that the majority of wins come from the team that scored first. These guys don't continually fail to lay down sacrifice bunts. Can't tell you how many times pitchers weren't able this year to lay down a sack bunt. I mean, are you kidding me? What else do those guys do in spring training? They've got to learn how to bunt because that's what they're going to do unless the National League adopts the DH rule, which I don't see happening anytime soon. I don't want to see Jace Tingler lose his job. But he could. I don't want to see A.J. Preller lose his job, although I don't think he's going to. But he could. I mean, if if they continue to lose ballgames at the rate that they are, I mean, if they lose this game today, they're at 500. I mean, they were 14, 16 games over 500 a month and a half ago. I mean, that's a serious dive. Let's look at the other teams in baseball. Uh, Over in the American League, you got Tampa Bay, Chicago White Sox, and the Houston Astros that are going to win their divisions. The wild card game is going to come down to Boston and either the Yankees or the Blue Jays. Boston's got a two-game lead over the Yankees and a two-and-a-half game lead over the Jays, who, boy, they started to play some really, really good baseball. In the National League, Milwaukee's secure in the Central, uh, as you can tell by the way they're playing the Cardinals. I swear it doesn't even look like they care if they win. I mean, I know they do because teams just aren't built like that. Uh, I was there for a long time. I know that. But, you know, it sure looks that way. It was kind of like I I saw a couple of people on social media today talking about uh, the Padres holding Manny Machado out of the lineup today uh, because he didn't play. So in in the Dodgers, naturally – because they're two games in back of the San Francisco Giants, think the Padres are trying to throw it to the San Francisco Giants, which is ridiculous. I mean, they're out there. They're trying to win baseball games. Uh, Machado does deserve a day off, even though I don't know if I would have given it to him today, but just the same. He got the day off. They took a four-run lead in the first inning. Can't hold it, can't add on that many. They've added on a couple, but here it is, the eighth inning, and they're tied 6-6. 
So St. Louis now has a four and a half game lead over the Reds and the Phillies. Yeah, the Reds and the Phillies are the two wildcard teams behind the St. Louis Cardinals. The Padres are behind them. So the Padres have gone three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, from the top wildcard team next to the Dodgers to now the fourth ranked team. It's been a big dive, folks. It really has. And, and, and it's too bad. But when the San Diego Ball Club gets back Mike Clevenger next year and they get a healthy Denelson Lamette, we, we haven't seen this guy healthy in two years. I don't know what goes on in a training room nowadays. You know, I'm hearing about muscles I never heard about before in my whole life. And that only tells me one thing, and it's common sense. They're pulling these muscles because they're in the weight room. I know these guys are bigger. They're stronger. But there has to be a way to strengthen these muscles as you build them through flexibility so that these injuries don't happen. Way, way too many injuries. Now, if you will end up on the IL like Cronenworth did a week and a half ago because he got hit by a pitch and he fractured his finger, that's one thing. But to take the mound and walk off in the first inning because you have groin tightness. What's going on with that? You didn't know it was tight before you started the game? And it's not just here. It's not just in San Diego. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Dirty Kurtz Dugout. We're going to bring you a great podcast weekly. Although next week, keep an eye out for messages on social media on when the show is going to drop because I have a charity golf tournament to play in on Thursday next week. So we are going to have to put off the show for a couple of days. I know that's okay with Cindy and Tony out at Hacienda. Casablanca, our title sponsor. Uh, don't forget, if you're in the area, please stop by and see them. Uh, Joe, the producer, I want to thank you uh, for uh, being by my side. You are by my side, right? I'm right I here. I knew it. I knew it. And Alan, uh, our technical guru back uh, in the studio, I appreciate all your help. Uh, we're probably going to uh, to look into doing the show probably next Saturday sometime. What do you think, Joe? I'm in. Let's do it. Hey, you know what? Let's look into another watch party. And we don't have a whole lot of time left. And naturally, we want to have, uh, you know, we might have a big Saturday next week. We, let's, uh, yep. let's give Cindy and Tony a call and see if uh, – if, uh, no problem. I'm all over it. If we can get that watch party done. 
And and I, I have to tell you real quick, because I uh, I'm kind of excited about it. I have a feeling that uh, that I have a uh, a friend, Joe knows um, this friend who uh, hooked me up with potentially a uh, a sponsor that will benefit all of you listeners because we're going to put together uh, some type of a segment on the show where if you listen close enough and if we call on you, you win a free tank of gas. Naturally, there's going to be limitations on it. You're not going to pull up a 150 gallon, uh, uh, what do they call it? RV. Yeah. I'll bring the RV. Uh, to uh, to the stations that we're we're talking to, but um, we we've talked to them about that. They like the idea, uh, they love the show, and uh, and it's all because of you guys. So keep listening, uh, Joe. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Shotgun Tom. Of course, Cindy and Tony. Thanks out at Hacienda Casablanca, and we will see you next week. So until then. Goodbye, everybody.